Welcome to the Doing Useful Things podcast. I'm Dave Keeler. If you're an aspiring entrepreneur in Austria, you definitely need to listen to this episode. I talk with Marcus Raunig, Managing Director of Austrian Startups. It's an organization that promotes innovative entrepreneurship in Austria. Marcus discusses how entrepreneurship is key to positive change. His goal is to make entrepreneurship as common as skiing in Austria. He discusses the importance of people knowing they can make a difference, even a small one, simply by taking a step in the right direction. Here we go. We're here with Marcus Raunig, and um, I'm going to go ahead and let Marcus introduce himself. So <laughs> go right ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself, Marcus. Thanks for having me. Um, it's a pleasure. Yes, my name is Marcus. I'm uh, actually 28 years old, living here in Vienna, and I'm the managing director of Austrian Startups, which is the non-profit association um, trying to promote and push innovative entrepreneurship in Austria. So we are convinced that entrepreneurship is a key factor for positive change. And we have the vision that it uh, gets as common as skiing in the future here in Austria. Which uh, for those of you who are not familiar with Austrian skiing, everybody skis. Everybody. That's the reason why we also really ruling the Olympics when it comes to skiing, but it's pretty much the only thing where we are ruling the Olympics. So this is like the national thing. Yeah. Well, you got to pick something to focus on. And, <laughs> and skiing is the thing. So now Austrian startups, is this something that's, uh, is it uh, endorsed or sponsored by the government? No, actually not. Um, we are mostly financed on a private level. So by sponsors that um, share our vision and, and want to uh, support startups in Austria. Um, but uh, we do also have um, some state funding through uh, grants, but those are project-based and don't come directly from the government. So a grant then, would it be for something you're doing or is it something you can actually pass on to a startup? No, in that sense, it's something we do ourselves. Um, we we just got that now. It was, uh, it's a quite a big event series where we actually try to um, incentivize startups being founded in the space of the uh, the SDGs, the Sustainable Development Goals that have been defined by the UN. Um, so we, we define challenges, then in the hackathon series we, we try to produce startups that tackle these uh, Sustainable Development Goals and uh, match them then with um, yeah, with partners, customers, um, people and organizations that can help them grow. And um, the aim is that um, some of these um, projects and hopefully startups in the end uh, gets also funded by the Austrian Development Agency um, that is also the organization that is funding the project. What are some examples of these sustainable development goals? Uh, it's very, very broad goals. It could be that uh, that every human being has uh, enough to eat. It could be that uh, our environment is uh, protected and we, we save the planet. Um, it's something like that uh, everybody can be employed. It can be that we're living in cities that are livable and, and healthy. Um, it's it's very broad. It's uh, overall like the project is called Circle Seventeen because there's seventeen of these goals. Okay, so do you go out and try to find startups that are already focused on these goals, or are you mentioned encouraging startups to focus on these goals? I mean, so is, is it possible that you would be 
you, you find an individual, an entrepreneur or somebody and say, hey, this is something you should focus on, then they actually start a company based upon one of these goals? Exactly. I mean, the goal is actually not to um, drive existing startups towards these goals. I mean, that would obviously also be good, but um, the, the goal of this series is actually that new ventures are created in this space. So it's more on the individual level where we try to, um, yeah, also create interesting challenges that you can work on and, and therefore um, create a, a great sandbox also where they can, can start up. So then you're working with people who may not actually have any startup whatsoever. How do you, how do you identify these people, find them, and then attract them to, mm -hmm. to do something like this? I think what, what drives entrepreneurs usually is, is the, the, the belief that they can change something and that they want to change something. And I think those are the people we, we are trying to identify and those are also the, the people we're trying to create in some way because we believe that in Austria there's way too little people um, believing that they can do something and we want to open people's eyes. That's also something where we definitely look into the future where we want to go into education and start our own programs that, um, yeah, in the end convince kids that they are not just a little wheel in a big system, but actually can have an impact themselves. And that's something I um, experienced on in my own life very much because um, I remember I always wanted to play football in a football club and, and first my parents didn't allow me to play in a football club because they didn't want to arrange their weekends based on the schedule of a football club. And once I was old enough to decide myself, I checked out some football clubs and they were not for me. Some were too, um, yeah, I would say too uh, ambitious and too much on, on personal rivalry where, you know, the parents were on the sidelines and um, telling their kids to break the, the other team's legs and, and it was not, not a nice environment. And then there was the other extreme where, um, yeah, there was, uh, it was very unorganized and, and pretty chaotic and, and I, I didn't feel at home in any of these. And, and for some reason I was very Austrian and started to complain about this and be annoyed by it. Um, very but yeah, it's, it's very funny. Austrian. It's what we call a Raunzen <laughs> here. That's uh, a, an Austrian word, only exists in Austria and it, it means pretty much complaining all the time. And um, yeah, so I complained for a few years and at some point my best friend came to me, look, we both want to play in a football club and we can't find one that's fitting. Why don't we start our own? And that for me was, really eye-opening because I never thought about it. I, I, it was never even something that I considered um, and I didn't think would be possible. But in the end, it turned out great. It was, was something that by now we have one, more than 100 members in the club um, in, in six different teams. It's, it's a real family. It's something that was a real experience for me, something that I enjoyed a lot. And um, I always believed there's many more people out there like me back then that don't even realize that they can have an impact and just take things into their own hands. And that's very much the, the mission also of Austrian startups to I like motivate that. people. I like that. I want to get back to the football club, but before we move on to that, I want to kind of stick with the Austrian startups. And again, how do you, how do you identify or how do you attract these individuals? I mean, do you have programs at schools that, uh, you know, is geared towards people who want to be entrepreneurs? I mean, what, what types of things do you do to, to identify these folks? 
Yeah, um, the program seems cool. Don't exist yet. That's a plan for the future. Something we will probably do in spring 2020. Um, but now we focus all our activities actually on three main um, three main activities, um, and those are in inspiration, connectivity, and change. We try to inspire people mostly by um, the means of communication. So we are. Um, running big communication channels ourselves, have uh, big social media channels with more than 20,000 Facebook likes and Twitter and Instagram and LinkedIn, and trying to share relevant and inspiring news there for our community. Um, also running Austria's biggest startup newsletter, collecting all kinds of useful resources, collecting all kinds of events that are happening in the space. and. Um, Obviously, also being present at conferences, speaking to people, trying to inspire them there, um, doing PR work, so trying to create a realistic and positive image of entrepreneurship and, and the broad society through um, mainstream media, mostly. And uh, yeah, that's that's where we try to inspire people. And those that we might have already inspired, we then try to bring together. So we create... Uh, platforms for exchange, um, both online and so, so on, offline. Um, for example, we are organizing 50 to 60 events all over Austria per year from very open platforms for um, everybody, where it's just about um, experiencing the community, getting to know people, getting to know the basics. There we have the Stammtisch, which is the, the big monthly startup meetup in Vienna and many more cities by now also in Austria, but also very, um, yeah, very little and, and, and closed off uh, event series where it's very much about high level exchange between founders that maybe are already further uh, ahead in, in the startup life cycle, as you say. So trying to create platforms where exchange can happen. And we try to do that also on a very local level. So in each county we have a um, a team of Austrian startups where you can get in touch with and also on an international level. So we are also part of the European Startup Network where I am also in the board um, and trying to create this international uplink here. Mm -hmm. And um, the third part that I touched before, the, the change, is where we act as a think tank. So we are doing research um, both on a quantitative and on a qualitative level. So, um, for example, we published the Austrian Startup Monitor, which is the, the biggest uh, study about the Austrian startup landscape, um, making it, uh, we always say, before, um, when people were talking about startups, it was more or less just feelings and uh, seemed cool, but it was very difficult to uh, quantify what's happening here and, and that we want to base our work on facts and figures. And that's what the monitor provided us with. And based on these facts and figures, we, we also advise and advise the government and give recommendation what needs to change so that Austrian entrepreneurs can be more successful. So if someone listening to this, uh, let's say she's doesn't want to work at a bank like her parents want her to for a nice, secure job, and she has a desire to do something entrepreneurial, and she has a desire to do something in the sustainable area, and she contacts Marcus, contacts you, and says, I am really excited about this, but I don't have any ideas. I don't have anything, you know, a startup. I don't have any money. I don't have any experience. 
what types of things could you help her with? Mm -hmm. I think it starts with the inspiration. So I would tell her to um, check out our channels. So make sure to follow us on, on Facebook and then uh, subscribe to our newsletter because that's where we try to give people inspiration also for potential ideas. So in the end, inspiration comes from um, connecting the dots, often just bringing one piece of information, connecting with some other piece of information. And we're trying to, to provide this kind of information there. And on the other hand, I think we, we also provide um, people with the chance to build a network in this space, because uh, if you're talking about ideas, I think often ideas also come from talking to other people and, and bouncing off ideas of each other. And um, there I would definitely recommend her to come to the Stammtisch, mm -hmm. which is this big monthly meetup where... It's in German, right? It's, no, it's in English. English, okay. On purpose in English, because we want to be international there. Okay. Also. So in general, the startup scene is quite international and uh, we want to be very much open to, to everybody there. When are the, when is the Stammtisch? The Stammtisch is um, every third Tuesday of the month. So it's always the third Tuesday of each month, which is usually somewhere between the uh, 15th and the 22nd, I think. And where is it? Is it always in the same place? or No, it's rotating in different uh, co-working spaces in Vienna. Okay, is there a website or something that uh, exactly. people can you go can to? Check out the Austrian Startups uh, website. You okay. can also, in our newsletter, it's always the the reminder that it's happening and where it's happening. So you definitely won't miss it if you subscribe to it. Okay. And do you provide other services? So again, let's say someone's come to have an idea. Now they have an idea. Mm -hmm. that they want to do something sustainable and they've got, and they're still, you know, if you've never done a startup before, you've never, you don't have much experience, it's really hard to know where to begin. Mm -hmm. And do you provide other services to them or do you match them up with people that can help them including funding mm -hmm. funding money um yes first of all i think what we try to do we try to create a guide to how to start a startup in austria on our website so in, in that sense i think it should be like a navigator for them both on, on an informational level where we try to link resources to that are helpful when you start up um, but also as you said connecting them with people that can help them in this phase they are in. So um, this is something which we sometimes do very loosely, where it's just like um, providing people with the contacts of, of people that can help them. Or um, sometimes also more structured. Uh, we have one series of um, events happening every two weeks where we invite some experts so some lawyers or some financial advisors or some investor or, um, I don't know, some um, HR um, experts. And they will give startups um, pro bono advice. So they will sit there. It's called office hours, the Austrian startups office hours. And for 20 minutes, um, they are all yours. And you can ask them anything. They will help you. And um, is this one on one or is it? In it's a group? one on one. Okay. Yes. So it's it's definitely the the idea that you can really ask anything and, and they will help you. Oh, that's good. So then it sounds like your the advice is if someone's listening, they have either an idea or they have no idea, but they have the energy to do something, is to start participating in the network, mm -hmm. your online network and the the Stamtisch. 
and start meeting people. Uh, you mentioned uh, that giving advice to the government. Mm-hmm. Uh, what type of advice have you given to the government <laughs> that they, to help them, I assume, to foster a more supportive environment for startups, correct? Yeah. We've published uh, quite a broad paper there. It had 36 recommendations for the government. We are just now redoing it because there's again elections in Austria. Um, So this time it will be 37. Um, And out of these 36 recommendations that we um, proposed to them uh, two years ago, 12 of these recommendations made it to the government program. And uh, one was completely uh, concluded, so successfully implemented. And uh, a few others, like eight or so, are in the process. So, um, What was the one that was implemented? We uh, advised that the Vienna Stock Exchange would open up to um, smaller companies and make it... Uh, possible to do an IPO much more easily or at least get listed there much more easily. What, what criteria did you, like, how did they re, uh, reduce the criteria? Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's about creating a different segment because the one thing is um, like listing yourself really at the stock exchange, which is extremely, um, uh, yeah, pretty complicated. You need to do a lot of regulation and stuff and provide a lot of things. And uh, one thing is that you can actually now go um, do a listing, but not a public listing, but a private listing. So it's it's easier in that sense. So um, it's cheaper and it's, it's easier. And that's something where we looked at it and thought that if you look at the success cases in the Austrian startup scene, all of them have been exits to foreign corporates. And mm-hmm. this is something where we say, that that's not bad, but still it would be good to have other options there and to maybe also get some additional growth capital through the market, namely the, the stock exchange. And so you said that you can, there's, a, there's public listings and private listings. Mm-hmm. So does anybody have access to purchase stock in these companies? Yes. Can anybody, yes, yes. and it's through the Austrian stock exchange? Yes. And is it, can you, is it just Austrians who can buy I stock? I don't think in so. Or is it? To be honest, I'm, I'm not 100% sure, but I'm, I think it's everybody can. can okay, because so, some exchanges, you have to be a resident of that country in order to use that particular exchange because of tax reasons and, okay. and everything else. But Can't 100% say, but I, I don't think so. And I, I know that a few... Uh, startups have now already used that. For example, there was one biotech startup, um, and, and that's a good sign that at least let's see how it now evolves. I mean, that's the the other side of the medal that we have to check how how the market is actually reacting to startups and whether that this is something that also in Austria, which is culturally rather a country that is rather conservative and risk averse. Um, yeah, whether they will actually be willing to to provide uh, startups with money through through the stock exchange. But we'll well, see. that would be yeah, people, right? It would be individuals who are exactly. buying stock. So it's interesting. What are the criteria? Do you know how small a company can be? Or, or let, me, let me rephrase that. How big does a company have to be to list on I, the exchange? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know the exit criteria by heart. It's been it has become a, a lot easier. Um, so really, 
a big difference. Um, and definitely something if you have a bit like a, a seven-figure sum in revenue, you're already qualifying for that. Okay. This is something that startups can get to quite quickly. And that also gives individuals who want to invest in startups an opportunity to do it. Exactly. As a, which nowadays it's pretty much you need to know somebody, you need to be linked up with a venture capital company or you know, some other network. And yes. this is a um, – that's really interesting. That's something that would be really, I think, interesting in the United States. Now, the United States has a lot of different laws about being able to invest in companies. Mm-hmm. So and also companies being able to sell stocks. So maybe it's we have a lot more lawyers in the United States than you have here in Austria. Um, so no, so that's it's interesting. I did not know about that. Another resource for uh, for potential investors as well as startups. Um, back to the government. Mm-hmm. What uh, if you were chancellor or in a position of authority and power? What one or two things would you do? to make uh, to improve the startup environment to help startups yeah I think or to encourage more startups mm-hmm. the by far most important would be to tackle education I really believe that our educational system is is not geared towards the future I think that the 21st century will be one where our working environment will completely change where we will be like humans will be needed for unstructured problems well in the past century it's been mostly about structured problems and then these structured problems will be taken over by by computers by by robots and uh, i think for that we completely need to revamp our education system to base much more focus on the self-empowerment on actually uh, creativity on getting people to to really produce new kinds of, of of connections new kinds of combination new kinds of content, um, things that are human by heart. And I think that's something which we are not doing at all at the moment. Um, We always say um, we want to create this entrepreneurial thinking in in the minds of the kids. And and that's something that I would really focus on, not just because that would obviously mean much more founders, because the experience I had with the football club would then hopefully much more people have. Because, for example, if in school they they have a project where um, where they can try out doing something themselves. That would be massive. For example, you know, Austria is as good as they are in skiing, not just by chance, because for some time every child in Austria went to a school skiing course. So for one week, the whole class went to a skiing class. And... Um, this was in the 70s. I think it was made really mandatory for everybody and whoever couldn't afford it, the state would, would take over the cost. And if you look then 20 years later, when this really began to, to have an impact, Austria was completely ruling all kinds of skiing events. It was like there was one race, I remember it, where the first nine places were all Austrian. It was like nobody could even compete. And um, it... it shows you if you really try to open this funnel at, at the beginning so that everybody can try something out. It doesn't mean that everybody will become a pro skier, but it means that the people who have a real talent there and the people who actually really enjoy it and feel like they are at home at it, 
they will then progress to be really become world class. And, and my imagination is that Austria as a country will really profit if the best entrepreneurs come from here and then start here, because that's something that economically will be extremely important for a country in the future. So education is, is the first part. Well, I would ideally do something like a skiing course, but for entrepreneurship. So I would take the kids for one week, bring them to a makerspace or at least some kind of innovative environment where they can analyze, can realize the problems they actually have, because a lot is about also actually recognizing problems as opportunities. And then with these opportunities, these problems, they can create ideas, validate those ideas. And in the end, um, hopefully, um, also quite quickly create prototypes, present them then. So this life cycle of creating something, um, trying that out once in your life should really open the mindset. So this is the educational part, what I would really quickly uh, try to, to put into place. And um, the second one is I think we are really struggling with the legal environment we have here in, in Austria because it's a very conservative one. And um, I think that starts with um, the uh, forms of incorporation, where, for example, the, the English Limited is, is, is much more flexible and much quicker in, in how you can set it up than what you can do in Austria. Um, it, it goes on with um, that you have to, uh, it's called Gewerbe, uh, I'm not sure about the English word, but if you start in Austria company, in some areas, you actually have to prove that you are qualified to do that. And, and for some areas, this is really useful and it makes sense. You know, if people are dealing with, uh, with things that are affecting uh, the lives of other people or I don't know where the impact of it is, is really enormous, then this makes sense. But in some industries, it doesn't make sense at all. There was one startup I know that uh, actually started a, a mobile job platform. So a mobile what? Job platform. So okay. uh, where you can look for jobs. And um, they first got the information, this is IT, and IT is not a protected um, uh, thing, so you can just register it and no worries. And then once they got the 300K investment, um, and wanted to register, they were told, actually, this is, um, what was it called? I think personal uh, matching, and, and this is a protected uh, thing. And before you can start, you have to do a course for that. So it's a six-week six course. Longer. <laughs> it was uh, nearly half a year. <laughs> and literally nothing they learned there was in any sense relevant for what they were doing anymore because most of these courses are based on, again, last century, completely different environment, and has nothing to do with what they were doing. And, and that's all the stuff that needs to change. And to be honest, it's not easy to change this because there's a lot of people who in some way are directly affected by it who are often yeah, also the profiting. companies exactly, do not existing want new companies. Exactly, Don't want new people coming in. So this is, as you say, it's, it's barriers for for new new companies coming in. Yeah, protection, it's protectionism for uh, existing companies. And um, I would either just scrap all of that. That would probably be the um, more brutal way to do it, or I would create some kind of um, some kind of special status for for startups. So companies that are really innovative, growth oriented, creating a lot of jobs. Um, creating a lot of new technology, 
So companies that are really a motor of the economy. And I would, for them, create a special status, give them this priority, create a, um, a state um, agency or uh, some kind of, of uh, uh, infrastructure at the state who is very community close. So ideally someone that has worked in the startup scene before, someone that understands startup, and give them the authority to give out this status and say, you're a startup, we'll make sure you, that you um, don't have to go with all of this regulatory stuff. Um, we will uh, help you if there is some kind of legal requirements that um, you believe are, are not helpful. And then we, we look at that and we, as, as long as you are transparent, we, we tell you, okay, you can do it and we'll analyze it until we understand how this new kind of market situation works. I would make it very easy for them to get international people into the country. That's also something that's not working well at the moment. And um, yeah, I would also try to make it very easy for them to to scale. So to switch maybe to a, a bigger corporate setup to um, get the international access. So I, I think this would probably be a sensitive approach where you don't need to completely re-ramp the whole legal system. Um, but still enable us to compete internationally because that's what startups do. And, and if we don't do that, then they are struggling in the international competition. Uh, yes, I agree with all the, the, the uh, three things you just said. I assume that these items were on the 37 points mm -hmm. that you provided the government. The one about having the proper regular or proper uh, training certifications and the like mm -hmm. is something I see as key because that's you can't get started at all if you can't get you, you can't get outside the out the starting gate mm -hmm. and I've heard many stories from many people no matter what type of business you want to start they always have to take some sort of training I had a friend who he wants to open up a coffee shop so he's got to take you know restaurants some other I don't know what training said six weeks long he said very little of it has anything to do about running a coffee shop business. It's all, you know, whatever the boilerplate regulations and, and things like that. And you do need to know regulations, of course. But uh, it, it, I'm certain it dissuades people from, from taking the next step. Uh, and as you say, it's already scary enough to starting a startup. You know, the fact that there's no guaranteed income, you may be spending your own money and you're wasting time, that kind of stuff. So yes, it would be nice if the government encouraged it. I, uh, I went to an economic forum, it was about five years ago, and they were talking about the unsustainability of the European social system because you know people are living so long and when they retire at a certain age and they've got 30 or 40 years on the social system and, it is, and there's not enough tax revenue coming in, and couple that with the fact that they said in Austria, I don't remember the exact percentage number, but it was a very high percentage of, of university graduates who, when polled, they said they wanted a government job because of the security. Because you get your government job and you, you, know, you can't get fired and you serve your time and then you're done and you're a pensioner and, and the like. And what these economists, you know, their point was, well, you, if everybody's going to be a government employee, then everybody's spending money. And you need you need the commercial sector, and more commercial, uh, more commercial companies to create revenue to generate tax revenue, 
And so it was back to the, the startup thing and how they said that it's, it's not just a nice to have, it is an absolute must. That, and not just in Austria, it's all throughout Europe. And yes, as you mentioned, Austria has a more conservative, uh, security-minded culture. Hmm. I hear something. Uh, I don't know what it is, but <laughs> something outside. Uh, and, uh, but, yeah, I agree. It's something that, uh, that hopefully the government will get behind. So you've, you provided this document to the government, and you said 12 of the items were, you said, adopted? And they were included in the program, the government okay. program, which was the outline. And then um, the thing with Austrian governments is that, at least in the past few years, they haven't survived all too long. And that obviously makes it difficult for a lot of these changes really to happen because usually they are spread over the whole five years. And, and usually, unfortunately, startup topics are not top of the agenda at the moment, which is bad enough. Um, but that means they rather are planned for year two, three, four, five. So the first year is gone. And then the second year, they're, they're beginning to do stuff. And then, unfortunately, there's something happening that means the government will crash and uh, we're back to elections. And this has been the case for a while now. So how does that affect you? I mean, is it is it frustrating? Is it's it, frustrating, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, generally, to be honest, the political work is, is quite frustrating because in the end, I, I do believe that at the moment politics is very much driven by populism and it's very much about just trying to... Um, find things that are marketable out there and that, that you can sell as a party and that will will help your your ratings. And it's very much lacking in vision, I think. Yeah. And that's and I would really believe that it needs someone who not just tries to adopt to what at the moment is the general opinion, but also tries to convince people of, of what we need in the future and how the world will change and what, what needs to, to change as a country or in the country too. And I, I fear this is lacking at the moment. Is there a particular uh, government figure, a political figure that you have found most friendly to startups and most supportive? Um, to be fair, they, they all like the topic. It's, it's something that they can, you know, it's a sexy term. In general, it's something that um, makes them look innovative and stuff. But um, nobody has really managed to, to push this agenda properly. There was in the, in the government like uh, two, three, four years ago, um, there were some people that were really personally involved in the topic. And there, I think, for them, there was some kind of incentive to do something and they tried to do something, but then they were a bit lacking in, in the execution. So it, there were, for example, was one um, initiative that was uh, a grant that would enable startups to pay much less for their first few employees. Um, so they wouldn't have to pay so much taxes on them if they want to employ them. And um, that was a great idea. That was in our program. That's something that startups are really struggling with in Austria because, you know, once they grow and once they make money, they put all of that money in, in, 
new go- new employees and, and this this is extremely right. expensive in Austria if, if you talk to um, companies that have 10 employees here they don't believe how much money they are wiring uh, to, to the state for these employees and, and this great idea but what did they do they did it as a grant and not as a um, decreased tax um, and because it was a grant um, it was also a special grant because it was fully paid out in afterwards so the problem is the startup had to um, pay the full amount for the employee and after a full year they would be able to apply for the grant and get them back uh, what they paid already and as we know startups are rather uh, cash um, strapped yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, it's not easy for them to finance that in advance for, for all of their employees and that's why it wasn't really used that much and um, the next government then also instead of repairing it or, or making it maybe that you can already apply for it in advance and get it paid out in advance. Um, they completely uh, stopped it again and said, yeah, nobody was using it anyway. That is a banker writing a startup regulation. Exactly. Has and no idea how, it's, how it works, or how, how the startup works. So is there a concern? Let me ask you this, uh, not a concern, but well, is there a concern that startups or people who want to do startups will go to other countries that are more friendly? Definitely. Brain drain is, is, is a big concern for us, I think. Is it happening? It is happening. It Where, is. What's a neighboring country? Is Germany more friendly? Or? Um, some are going to Berlin mm-hmm. or Munich. I think that's... But some of them are also going to the U.S. It's mm-hmm. really those that are... that maybe have already started successfully and, you know maybe have some kind of contacts already there and want to start again often it's it's not in austria again and that's that's bad because i think in general austria would be from the initial conditions it it has the potential to be the ideal spot to start in in europe you know it's it's great quality of life it's pretty low cost of living compared so this ratio is amazing and this is great for employees too so if you want to have an attractive package for employees which is extremely important for startups it could be super cool um, it's in the middle of Europe traditionally been the, 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 the bridge between the east and the west so something where you can scale in both directions really nicely um, it like the airport is closed the airport is really well connected um, to other countries um, and there's lots of very interesting grants that in the end get you equity-free money in, in the early stages, which, which can also be very helpful. Um, so I think if you would create the conditions that this can actually be used, this potential, then Austria would be the ideal spot. But we're not there yet. And especially um, the problems with the culture, um, I think there we... We need to adapt quickly. What's when you say the problems of the culture? The yeah, I, I think when I'm talking about that, the people are, are lacking entrepreneurial thinking. I, I think that that's one element, and I think that's something that you would tackle with with, with the educational aspect. But in general, also I think because people don't have entrepreneurial thinking and because they don't realize that, that they can change things, they're generally rather. Um, yeah, rather conservative and, and against change. So they're very reluctant to try new things. They're very reluctant to 
um, live in a, in a different uh, setting and, and do stuff that hasn't been done before. And um, I think that's also not good for a startup environment because in the end, those those people are also your potential customers and it's obviously easier if you are in an environment where people say, hey, cool, that sounds awesome, let's try it out instead of, nah, it won't work anyway. And I think that would be something that we could also change if more people actually realize they can change things themselves. I think then usually it would also mean that their general approach to change and to innovation would change. Yes, uh, the the uh, avoidance of change mm. is probably something that's somewhat typical here. But there's also risk with change. And Austria is a rather risk-averse, risk-conservative culture. And, you know, it served them well during financial crises and things like that. And, but you're right, it's, it's a matter of getting folks at the young age in, in the boot camp that you mentioned, the one-week boot camp for kids, which, by the way, is an outstanding idea. And I'm, I've been thinking about it ever since you mentioned it and how great an idea it is because to get kids at a young age, to not only teach them to be creative, but to teach them it's okay to fail. Because that's one thing that, you know, even as adults, no one wants to fail, and that's oftentimes what keeps us from going the entrepreneurial route, which is by and large, the far more risky route is the fear of failure for any number of reasons. But it's, you know, if you can, I don't know who said it, one of the famous venture capitalists, you know, fail often and fail early. Mm-hmm. Fail early, fail often. Yeah, because then you come numb to it and you expect it, or it, it's not a big deal. And, you know, it's, it's really interesting what you mentioned about how Austria put such a huge focus on skiing and then, you know, 20 years later, the the, the, uh, the successes that they had and that in these types of things, how they could change the culture, excuse me, change the culture by implementing something it, uh, for children. And just out of curiosity, because I'm really, I'm really hooked, keying in on this child boot camp thing, what age would you recommend? <laughs> um, I mean, we're actually... Skiing starts at five, right? Yeah. Here. I mean, we are. Tr- we will try to do that in spring. And that's, oh, you are. That's a real project we are planning. This is the first do. time. Uh, it's it's the first time. Um, and can I send my sons? <laughs> sure. <laughs> I mean, we don't know yet how we will do it. We will probably do a pilot with a few schools and and then try to use that as a platform to scale it all over Austria. But um, I think I believe a great age would be in middle school, so somewhere between 10 and 14. We will probably do this first prototype in a bit of a later stage because it's easier to facilitate at the beginning, so something like 16. Um, But I believe that kids from 10 to 14 are in an age where they can already produce quite a lot of interesting solutions to things, but at the same time are not, it's hard to say, but not destroyed in their creativity by the current educational system. I think if you are too late in this process, sometimes people are already too much within, you know, their laser focus onto the uh, classical career structure and I will produce my good grades and I will just follow the instructions of the teacher and and 
whatever he says, I will just copy. And then uh, if I copy it, then I will get the good grade. And then, you know, this, this is like this linear way, I think, that is dangerous. Right. And there's also a very structured way of getting into certain schools. We're not, my children are too young now, but my wife is, I'm not sure what it is, but you probably obviously know, you have to apply to get into certain gymnasiums. And it, it actually dictates a certain path yes. you may take and the f type of university you can get in. Out of you know, you're starting. These decisions are being made for you at a very young age, and you know it's uh, so. There's a lot of pressure to play the game that allows you know to and be part of the system that allow you to get to the good universities. Yes, play the game is the, exactly the right word. I think yeah. that that's the problem generally in Austria. That there's this this strong game here that everybody is playing, and it, it's not really helping anybody. It's 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 a very um, it's a game that is very much a about preserving the current setup and very reluctant to change. And I think this is also something that is a real shock to people who come to the startup environment often, because what I really like about the startup world is that it's brutally honest. In general, That's correct. Um, you learn in school and you learn in our educational system and you often learn it in corporates. There's, there's shortcuts, there's way to cheat the system which is socially accepted, which is all right, you know. I know that, I, for example, in school, I always, I knew that the, the class above us, they had the same chemistry teacher. So what I did is that I, before we had a test, I talked to them and I asked them, could you give me the test from last year? Because there might be some questions that come again. Magic, oh, well, magic, yeah. <laughs> For sure, uh, that helped me get a good grade. Um, I Students will always figure out a system. Exactly. They will the always system. figure it out. Yeah. Yep. Whether it doesn't matter how old they are, and especially when you get to university, then you're really a master at figuring yes. out the system. system at university for us was that if you would go, it's called the Einsicht, is if you write a test, and afterwards um, you get the results, and then you can go to the professor and have this Einsicht, which means you go there and discuss the results. And if you do that, usually, and then talk to him and show that you're actually interested, and, and you know, um, also maybe say, yeah, actually you wanted to do that, that, and you just forgot, and often you got, you got a better grade just by doing that. And again, it's the system, and the system is working in, in corporate jobs the same way. If you wear um, an expensive watch and a, and a nice suit, people will take you more seriously. If you are nice to your boss and if you do good work but let him shine, then he will be more willing to give you a promotion. Um, there's all these ways to game the system. And in Correct. the startup world, you can do that to a certain point. You can maybe trick an investor in giving you an investment if you have the, the very professional attire and you might get a, a public grant by um, talking to the right people. But eventually, this is just wasting your time because eventually the market will decide whether your product works or not. Yeah. And this is brutally honest and it's it's shocking for people who are not used to that. Yeah, yeah, it's painful, but it's, it's kind of brutally beautiful. Yes, 100%, I love it. Yeah, uh, so, you mentioned game. I mentioned game. It's a great segue to football, mm -hmm. and because I was really interested in that, uh, kind of how passionate you are about how you were able to start a football club that fit you, and you'd mentioned earlier that it was something that never occurred to you that you needed to work within the system, I suppose, of the existing football clubs, and then it was maybe even like a an, an what we call an aha moment, like oh yeah. Of course, why can't I? 
you know. And then you started this football club. And so tell us a little bit about that. Now you said it's over 100 members, and it's both women and men. And uh, is this something that – are you still playing with it? Is it still mm-hmm. going on? What's uh, – and, and what is your most memorable part about growing this football club? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, as you said, it, it's been quite a story, um, quite a journey, too. We really started just as a group of friends, 20 people. Um, at the beginning, it was just my, my best friend and me, and we were just phoning friends and asking, well, um, would you like to play football once a week? And um we just got them together, started playing, then registered for a league. And because we had the right people at the beginning, people that were culturally a good fit and that also shared maybe our view on the situation, they brought friends and we started organically growing. It was really every year again and again and again. And quite soon, second season, we needed uh, another team um, because were too many people for for one team so that everybody could play so we did uh, a reserve team and at the same time we we started we also at the beginning we also asked some some female friends of us whether they want to join because they even in school some of them played with us and we said yeah why not so at some point we also had enough girls to start an own girl team and um they first started on the on the little field, and then by now they're also playing on on the big field. And um, this is really how it has been growing since then. By now we also have some youth teams because you know in the school we formally actually started the whole thing. Now the the people are asking us, hey, can we also join? But they are too young to join the proper team. So that's how we, in the end, started then a youth team, which is now really good because at the end. In some way, we're getting now to an age where priorities are also shifting. And some of the, the people who actually founded it at the beginning with us, um, they are now um, yeah, being so involved in their jobs or creating families where in the end they don't have time to play football anymore. So it's good that some new people are coming up there. And for me personally, it was really it was wonderful, it's something I enjoyed a lot. I put a lot of effort into it also. Um, especially in the early days when it was really you could create your your own thing there you can really you can decide how the the kids look like you you can decide um, when and how you will train you can decide um, what kind of, 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 of culture you want to establish there and, and in the end try to nourish also it's so much that you can actually put into it that in the end you will also get something out of it um, and that was was really nice for me. And um, the the coolest experience probably was something that was also connected to. Um, it very much pushed me also in the startup direction because um, in 2013, so it was our third year, um, we were about 40 people, I think, in the club, and there was a big competition by the National Football Federation. And it was, uh, in the end, it was about finding the most popular amateur football club in Austria. And there's about 2,000 amateur football clubs. Every little village has one. And usually in the little villages, there's also a really strong community about the football. You know, on Sunday, you go to the church and afterwards you go to the football. So that's mm-hmm. um, very much it. And, and that's why usually we would also not take part in such competitions because us as a really small club by then still and 
you know, also in a city. So we were based in Vienna, and in Vienna there's not much people coming to the matches. It's more on the countryside that you really have lots of fans and, and this strong connection. Um, but the thing is that the price of this competition was that the whole team was flown to London and would play a game in the stadium of, of Chelsea, the Stamford Bridge. Oh, cool. And um, that by itself is already really cool for everybody who, who's into football. But especially this was cool because my, my best friend and co-founder, he's a, a huge Chelsea fan. And this was a dream he never seemed to, he always had, but for sure never seemed realistic for him. And this really pushed us as a team to say, okay, we have to at least try that. And we took it really seriously, created a good uh, Facebook campaign and, and just hustled. So it was for the most popular. I think that's how, how it was defined. So how, what was the criteria? Yeah, the criteria was it was a, a voting competition. So each day, okay. one person can vote one time for one of these 2,000 football clubs. And what we did, we made a good campaign. So... Back then, I mean, digital natives as we were, we, we knew how to use the, the social aspects of the game, but we also hustled like crazy. So all the 40 people in the team, every day we phoned every one of us, 10 friends. and Working the system. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> working the system. <laughs> there you go. Um, and, and we just worked really, really hard. And in the end, we won it by a line slide. Oh, you won so, it? You oh, know, cool. We, we so, like, there was nobody even close to us. And I'm glad you did win it, because otherwise the story wouldn't have been <laughs> Yes. No, I think it, it. we really, you know, we, we right from the beginning, I think from the third day we were in front and then we, we just pushed and pushed and monitored. And, and in the end, our, our get the gap between us and the rest, it, it grew bigger and bigger. And in the end, we couldn't really believe it until it was really over. But then it was over. And for some reason, we couldn't still couldn't believe it. But then we went there and we had this game in, in the stadium and it was amazing. And definitely the Who did you play? Um, we played the second place team, mm -hmm. which was uh, a team from Lower Austria um, called Mank. And they were, in general, they were much better than us, but it was still a pretty close game. Clearly not in digital media. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe better in, in But on the pitch, football. I think they played like three leagues above us. Um, but still, we, we actually even went in front in the game because for us, we played more like the first team in the first half and the second team in the second half. And they played um, mixed between both in both halves. So we won actually in the first half, even we were in front and then they turned it around and one to one in the in the end. But still, it was for us, it was the pinnacle of, of our football careers, definitely. And it really showed me that if you get a small group of people, even if there's much bigger groups out there, if you get this small group of people, really behind the common goal and make them work hard for it and, and really align all those those uh, those work forces out there um, then you can compete against structures that are much bigger than you and where it often seems completely impossible if you manage to get the small group really really pushing in one direction everything is possible and that's very much why startups succeed in the world out there because all these big corporates that seem mighty and, and, and like where it seems you don't have a chance to compete against them most of them are set up in a way where 
not everybody is working in one direction. There's people often working for their own good within the company, and that means the company is going all kinds of directions. It's like a big, um, like a really, really big ship. And sometimes if you have a small speedboat, it, it, it's more effective than having such a big ship, which is very difficult to navigate. Oh, it's, it would not be the first time that a large company was overtaken by a exactly. small, more nimble organization, yeah. and it happens all the time. No, I liked it, and the reason I wanted to address the the football is that you definitely had a glinter in, in your, uh, glimmer in your eye when you talked about it, and it seemed something special. And it is, certainly is analogous to the startup environment, yeah. and that uh, for the reasons you said, but also that, I mean, certainly if you're playing the competition, the market that determines it, right? The the soccer pitch being mm-hmm. the market. Now. Obviously, what you were doing is, is a little bit different, you're, that type of competition. But still, it was about gumption and saying, okay, we're going we're gonna to figure this out and we're going to win. Yes. And so, uh, yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a good lesson to everybody. Uh, I know that you said that you have about an hour, so mm-hmm. we're coming up on that hour. Is there anything that you want to talk about before we finish? No, I think we've, we've covered quite a lot. Great. So, but I want to make sure that people know how to get in touch with you. Uh, to Austrian Startups is probably the best the yes. best place and it's austrianstartups.com. .com, exactly. And all one word Austrian Startups. austrianstartups.com, yes. Any other websites or Twitter or Instagram yes, or anything? I'm, I'm active on on all of them. All of them. Okay. If you put in Marcus Raunik, you usually find me on these and feel feel very free to, to connect. I'm always happy to meet new people. Great. Um, but yeah, the website is, is definitely the, the best spot. And I want you to come back when you're starting the, the school age startup bootcamp because I think that's a phenomenal idea and I'd love to see it implemented. Super everywhere. happy, yeah. definitely. Awesome. Thanks so much, Marcus. Thanks for the invitation.